okay? It used to be Taylor Ann for a while, it was just Taylor. But uh, she was talking to somebody, there was uh, one of her classmates that believed that they were talking about security of the believer and how that uh, you, does the Bible teach? You know, and apparently this young person that Allie was discussing this with, and I think also Sean was having the discussion with the, either the same person or a different person. Uh, I'm at Sean Melanson. And, and uh, anyway, how that, can you lose your salvation? And is, is suicide a one-way ticket into hell? Does the Bible teach that? But many, many in the world believe that. Of course, we did have that uh, most recent tragedy in a lot of different people's lives as affected, of course, uh, 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 the young school teacher, Miss Lisa, that uh, took her life. And so that question came up. Now, whether or not people believed it or not, Brother Bobby Pennington did say that. He said, now listen, Miss Lisa's in heaven because she knew Jesus Christ as her Savior. And many times, and as, as I demonstrated uh, in the Bible, in the Bible, that anger can really, it, even in the Bible, it can lead to a type of even a temporary insanity. In other words, it mostly is generated by mild reactions that you would not normally do. People in anger have said things they would not normally say or they may do things they would not normally do. Uh, and then, of course, you get to the extreme of that, and there have been people's lives, even their own lives, taken out of extreme reaction to whether it be anger or animosity. And that's even found in the Bible. There are examples of that very thing. It has no, <clears throat> nothing to do with a person's spiritual condition. Many People that know Jesus, know the Lord, have made rash decisions. You know why? Because we still live <clears throat> in a sinful body. We still make I'm saved. I may be even in the ministry, but I still make mistakes. I still mess up. All of us do. And uh, But here's the whole point of all that. I want everybody in this room to either A, know that you're saved, and B, have the assurance and the hope in the Bible when it uses the word hope. Many times it refers to, it's going to happen. My, I'm looking forward to the hope I have in Christ means I'm going to see Him one day. I uh, may not know when, but it's hope as an expected thing and uh, that you're going to get it. Uh, that's the difference in the word hope, especially if you have a King James Bible. Also, uh, that you can know. The Bible teaches this clearly. Number one, it doesn't teach losing your salvation anywhere. Number two, the Bible says and teaches that, that once you give your heart to Christ, He doesn't give you one year life. He doesn't give you one month life. He gives you everlasting life. He gives you eternal life. If He takes it away from you, then you didn't have eternal life. You had temporary life. And another thing is, is that Bible says nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing. And it says no created thing. Nothing. That's in Romans 8, 34 through 39. And also it says in John 10, 
that nothing, nobody and no one can take you out of the Father's hand. And uh, so that's a great, great scripture. <clears throat> In Nehemiah uh, chapter 6, as we look to God's holy word, we just want to read one passage starting off. So I want to ask you to stand for the reading of God's word. Nehemiah chapter 6, and we will read verse 3 together. All right? We're all going to read together out loud. It says, And I sent messengers unto them, saying, I am doing a great work, so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and come down to you? Father, I thank you that you're letting us have a part in a great work. May we stay the course. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing and helping me read this together. And simply titled this morning, I'm doing a great work. And it is a great work that we're doing. We're a part of a great work. Now, <clears throat> we looked at how that the work was attacked and trashed and talked about. That Nehemiah. By the way, who led Nehemiah to do this great work? It was God. And how that back in chapter 4, and because of time and my looking in the future and trying to uh, see exactly where we're headed, I wanted to get this in before the revival. Because the revival that we're going to have, that God's going to give us, we need to realize that it's not, we don't need to get distracted by uh, what people say or do, but get our eyes fixed on the Lord. Now, as they were building, they're working hard, they're determined, they're doing all these things, but, and then we have this, what many call the temptation to compromise. And so I want to jump back to uh, Nehemiah uh, 6.1, and we'll look at it real quick, and we'll just take a quick peek at uh, verse 1 and verse 2, but it says, And it came to pass when Sanballat and Tobiah the and Geshem the Arabian and the rest of our enemies heard that I had built the wall and that there was no breach left therein, though at that time I had not set up the doors upon the gates, that Sanballat and Geshem sent unto me, saying, Come, let us meet together in some one of the villages in the plain of Ono. But they thought to do me mischief. That's very interesting. And what this is, basically, hey, you know, I know we may agree to disagree, so let's have a meeting. And I heard a preacher preach one time and just say no to oh no, okay? In other words, uh, that's what they were meaning. Come down to the valley of oh no, and we'll have a meeting. And folks, this is it. So many people say, you know, uh, I know Sunday is time for you to go to church, but let's do this. I know that Wednesday night is a time to go to church, but let's do this. It's a simple way that we compromise today and we'll substitute good things for the God's work, God's Word, and all the in-between. Sometimes people substitute, and compromise is a substitute. And compromise is saying, you know what, it could have been this good, 
but I'll settle for right here. And so many times we settle. We, it's a good thing, you know, uh, there's a lot of you that work with kids in sports. And working with kids and building self-esteem and good character uh, is a good, always a good thing. But sometimes we can put sports and ministry or recreation, all sorts of things ahead of God. Are those things bad? No, but it's a compromise if we put things deliberately ahead of the Lord. We intend, you know, people say, well, what about work? What about this? You know, God knows you need to work and make a... But when you intentionally put things ahead of the Lord, then we're compromising. So many times in God's Word, we can be distracted by compromise. In the book of Hebrews, uh, chapter 2, Verse 1, it says, Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. You know, there's many, there's many things that are slipping in our world today, and uh, there's always a warning sign when these things can happen. We tend, and because of life, because of the culture that we live in, we need to be on the lookout for warning signs that take place. How many of you have ever... Uh, there was a friend of mine. How many of you are driving around right now? Does your car have a warning light on it right now? Anybody? You're driving around with a warning... Yeah, it's on. You know, and what do we do? Sometimes we can tend to ignore warning lights. We can. We can just... There was one fellow I knew, he said, especially at night, his warning light was so bright, he put a piece of black tape over that plastic on the dash there so it wouldn't be so bright on a midnight. Folks, if there's a, a warning light, my, my mechanic friend hates warning lights. He calls them idiot lights. He said, when that thing comes on, it's too late. He said, I want to have a gauge so I can see the oil pressure actually going down. Or I want to have a gauge where I can, I know that it sits right here on the temperature and if it starts, I know it's, it goes beyond that. It's not normal. I need to look out because whenever it gets all, we've had vehicles before, when it got all the way over to the red, yeah, then the light comes on and says, hey, there's a problem going on here. And folks, we tend to compromise whenever you can compromise in your home, in your marriage, and in your church, you know, you just let it slip. Remember Hebrews 2.1, we ought to give the more earnest heed. You ought to pay attention. There's danger coming when you stop praying together. When things are not going right. You know, sometimes, even if you don't pay attention to the warning signs. And the thing is, I've had people tell me about, you know, whether it be their kids or their marriage or their home or their churches, and you can preach and talk and share and do this, and people say, well, I didn't know those were warning signs. I didn't know that was not supposed to be that way. And then it was too late. Well, I tell you what, sometimes, we were shouting glory whenever the, hopefully it'll still, they didn't get it back to us, but our, had to put our car in shop, was expecting a really huge repair bill. 
turned out to be a lot less than what we thought. And uh, shouting glory for that. You know, but even if uh, an engine blows up in a car, did you know it can be rebuilt? Even if you have a wreck in a vehicle. Whether, and that's same true with homes, marriages, relationships, churches. There can be, you can have a, you can have a catastrophe. But did you know there, that things can be repaired? Things can be repaired in homes, marriages, churches, relationships. But it takes, hey, listen to me very quickly. A lot of us won't work. And it takes work. It takes effort to do these things, to make them work. And uh, sometimes the right thing to do is a very, very hard thing to do. Sometimes we want to compromise our values in uh, the book of Jude. And as I like to say, any chapter you want, <clears throat> just pick one. Verse 3, this very famous verse, we, uh, we're living in a day where people call wrong, right, and right, wrong. He says, uh, toward the end of it, it says, uh, Jude verse 3, it says, It was needful for me to write unto you and exhort or encourage you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered to the saints. We compromise our values. Folks, our, our church, how many of you, I don't care if you... Uh, want to raise both hands or whatever you want to do. How many of you would love to see somebody get saved during revival? Amen! <laughs> How many of you would love to see a life change during revival? Amen! It's good! I mean, visibly say, folks, if we can't say yes to that, if we can't even respond to that, then something is wrong and there's a warning sign somewhere if we're not responsive to that. I need you to, I mean, think about this. I don't want to compromise in the response to this. Basically, he says, let's go meet. Let's go meet. Let's go meet. And then verse 3, he says, listen, what is it, Nehemiah's response to this? It says, I am doing a great work. And so I can't come down. Need all of you to repeat after me. I'm doing a great work. I can't come down. I'm doing a great work. I can't come down. All right, y'all did pretty good. And folks, but do you believe that? Do you believe that promised land is involved in a great work? Do you believe that we are involved in a a great work, and it's not because it's not great because of us, it's great because of God. It's not great because we have a message, it's great because He has a message. It's not, I mean, and we must stay the course, we must stay after it, but people, things, places, all kinds of stuff, it wants you to stop. The devil's behind it all. He wants you to stop coming to church, he wants you to start slipping up. He wants you to just do anything besides be positive toward Him, His work, His message. I want to see the lost saved. That's what it's all about. I want to see people's lives changed. That's what it's all about. He says uh, in verse 4, He says to stand strong. He says, 
Man, they didn't give up. Look at verse 4. I'm back in Nehemiah 6. They didn't give up, yet they sent unto me four times after this sort. And what does it say? I just kept telling them, no. As a matter of fact, I just had y'all repeat that twice. He repeated it two more times. I'm doing a great work. I can't come down. Get it? That's what it says. I'm doing a great work. I can't come down. The temptation, the condemnation is the next part. You know, if you do anything for the Lord, you and I will be criticized. It doesn't matter. (laughs) It doesn't matter. I was talking to uh, Karen's brother. He is a really... We've got some good coaches in here. How many of you in here have ever coached a ball team? Raise your hand. Okay. Did anybody ever critique your coaching ability? And I used a good word. (laughs) You see what I mean? But at the beginning of the season, all you have to do is say, would anybody else like to coach this team? You know, of course, you may not want to do that because there may be somebody you don't want to coach them. <laughs> but you know what I mean. It doesn't matter. You know, a lot of times people want to <clears throat> pastor in the same way. I don't see anybody in line to get this job. Okay, say, but there's always somebody telling me that I know a better way. <laughs> I know a better way, and so, but just, just, just come right on, and uh, do it to it. But the, and that's what happened here. That's, I mean, that's basically it, folks. That listen, listen. It doesn't matter if it's pastoring a church or coaching a ball team. When you try to do something, there, there's going to be criticism along the way. They come, just pick it up, verse five, and Sanballat, uh, his servant. Uh, then sent Sanballat's servant unto me, in like manner the fifth time, with an open this time with an open letter in his hand, wherein was written, It is reported among the heathen in Gashmu, saith, that thou and the Jews think to rebel, for which cause thou buildest the wall, that thou mayest be their king according to these words. And thou hast also appointed prophets to preach of thee at Jerusalem, saying, "There's you notice all these are lies, by the way. That there is a king in Judah, and now shall be reported to the king according to these words. Come now, therefore, and let us take counsel together. Then I sent unto them, saying, There are no such things done as thou sayest, but thou feignest them. In other words, you make it up out of your own heart. They all, for they all made us afraid, saying, Their hands shall be weakened from the work, that it may not be done. Now therefore, notice he says a little popcorn prayer, O God, strengthen my hands. That's a short prayer. Did you know it's, that's a scriptural thing right there to say, popcorn prayers? Many of y'all have told me you do, but that's a, there's a perfect example. He said, O God, strengthen my hands. You know, uh, even everybody's criticized. Even Jesus was criticized. Nehemiah was criticized. One of the best things you can do 
for criticism is what I call hit the delete button. Hitting the delete button. You know, how many of you, I've seen this and it's been surprising, it's been pretty neat uh, to see the 60s and 70-year-old uh, people in our church starting to get these smartphones. And uh, they all say the same thing. This thing's smarter than I am. I don't know how to operate it. But, uh, and I, I told one, I said, listen, just mash all the buttons you want because you ain't going to tear it up unless you take a hammer to it. And you might do it. But, uh, but there's a deal on there. It doesn't take long to figure out because whether it be a message or whether, and if you get on Facebook or different things like that. And, uh, and I've seen this. And I just want to go ahead and put my two bits in because it, this is perfect. This scripture that we just read was a lie on Nehemiah. Young people and anybody else that's... And folks, there's no difference between the gossip centers in Ashley County, wherever they may be, and Facebook. No, no difference. Sometimes it's verbal, sometimes it's in text. But there will always be some critic out there, somebody who will say a lie on you, will say something, make stuff up, and just assume, and that's called a rumor, that's called gossip, that's called whatever. And, the, and, and I've seen people on Facebook get in a, a uh, an, uh, you know, there's lots of ways to put it, an argument, or this and back, and then, and then they said this about me, and they said this about me, and they don't, and whether it be email, text, or Facebook, the best thing you can do is hit the delete button. Do not respond. Nehemiah said, listen to me very closely, listen to me very closely, this is a biblical response. You want to do it the Bible way? You say, that's not the truth. Oh, that's not, but you don't have to, you don't have to go down the argument road, the debate road, the, the back and forth email, the texting, Facebook thing, you just hit delete. And he says, what have I got? I'm doing a great work. And I don't have time to come down off the wall. You see, when you come down off the wall, you're getting down there with them. When you come down off the wall doing God's work, then you're putting yourself on their level. If you get into an argument with somebody, that's uh, there's all sorts of words I could use here. <laughs> that uh, That is not being kind. <laughs> you get in an argument with somebody... That then you're just putting yourself on. There, there's just you just listen. Just say that's not true. Move on with your life. Hit the delete button. As a bet, that's what Nehemiah did. And uh, folks, it's a great, great example. Because what is this whole temptation? The temptation to condemnation. His prayer was what? Strengthen my hands, not to hit them back, but to continue in the work. The temptation to controversy is verses uh, 10 through 14 real quick. And, uh, you know, somebody, I guarantee you, if you're serving the Lord, somebody wants to see you fail. I just can't wait because I know they're too good to be true. I want to see them fail. I want to see them mess up. They're not praying for you. They're praying that you'll fall. They're not praying for, to lift you up. Because that's exactly what happens here. They said, let's make up a lie so that we can have some manner to accuse him. Uh, Nehemiah 6.10 says, Afterward I came into the house of Shemaiah, 
the son of uh, Deliah, the son of Mehetabel, who was shut up, and he said, Let us meet together in the house of God within the temple, and let us shut the... Basically, let's go run hide inside the temple. And Nehemiah was not a Levite priest. He had no business in there. And uh, he said in verse 11, And I said, Should such a man as I flee? Who is there that, being as I am, would go into the temple to save his life? I will not go in. You know, sometimes we can... You can uh, trust people, and and uh, then you find out <clears throat> that they may not have your best intentions at heart. So let's look to what God, excuse me, what Nehemiah did. And that is, always look to God and His Word. And notice verse twelve. It says, "And lo, I perceive that God had not sent him." Wait a second. Wait a second. Before I. I mean, think about what verse 12 was saying. And lo, I perceived that God has not sent him. What does that mean? Man, hey, you're a good guy. What kind of advice do you want to give me? And then the, the advice comes, the instruction comes, but what does Nehemiah say about this instruction or this advice? Whoa, what? whoa, whoa, time out, time out. You... You're asking me to do something that's going against God and His Word? No. No, 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 no. I don't, I don't think so. That's why he said what he said in verse 12. Moving on down to verse 13, what I call ready to pray, pounce or ready to pray. Therefore was he hired that I should be afraid and do so and sin that they might have manner for an evil report, that they might reproach me. Are we praying for somebody to succeed? Are we praying for them to fail? This is the same example that I want to share with you. Neat example in the book of Luke chapter 22 and verse 32. Along this same line, trying to give you show you exactly how Nehemiah responded when controversy came, when, when bad things were being said. Now, how did he respond? Also, how did, how did Jesus respond? How did he respond? Because isn't that great that God gives us examples when you have tough things happen in your life and you have, whether it be accusations or just, eh, just somebody's not being nice or whatever. Now, think about this. Think about this. This meeting that we're about to read here is uh, about Jesus being uh, before... He's with Peter, and he's saying, Hey, listen, you're going to deny me. And Satan's after you. Matter of fact, uh, I put in the bulletin just one verse, but we're going to look at verse 31 and 32. And he said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. That's Luke twenty-two thirty-one, Verse 32 says this, But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. You know what that means? When I, when I call it there, am I praying for your success or your failure? Nehemiah had people that was praying for his what? Failure. 
Jesus, by the way, is Peter going to turn on Jesus? Is he going to turn on him? Yes, he is. He's he's going to turn on him publicly. He's going to say, I don't know him. I don't have anything to do with him. And guess what? Guess what he's praying for? Now that's a Christian friend. Even whenever you may mess up, am I praying for your success? Even when you fall, even if you were to were to stab me in the back, do whatever, do me think all of us have people in our lives that do that. But your prayer needs to be like the prayer of Jesus. And my prayer too. You see, I need, if I'm going to react, how do I react? I need to react like Jesus reacted. I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen. You see, that's a great example. That's a biblical example. Alright? And lastly, in closing, the work of God. <clears throat> Listen. We need to be praying for each other. The work of God is a good work. I've said it over and over and over. I'm doing a great work. I cannot come down. The work of God's a good work. Our text says this. So when the wall was finished in the twenty and fifth day of the month, Elal in fifty two days. Yeah, praise Jesus, the wall's finished. It came to pass that when all our enemies heard thereof, that all the heathen were about us, saw these things, they were cast down in their own eyes, for even our enemies perceived that this work was from God. As we prepare for Him invitation, this work is of God. Father, we bow our heads and just get ready to to do what you're laying upon our heart to do. Whatever whatever it may be, may we respond as your Holy Spirit is leading us and guiding us. May we may we begin today, even today, with revival to get our hearts open to you, Father. May we pray for the success and the blessing of our brothers and sisters in Christ. May we look to You for strength. Dear Lord, if we, if our church has revival, lives will be changed. If our church has revival, hearts will be restored. If our church has revival, lives will be helped. Lord, send us revival. In Jesus' name, amen.